0: Welcome to The Honest Pour with John Lennart, where
1: we go beyond the bottle to connect you with the people and places that make each wine so unique. Hi, welcome back to The Honest Pour. It's been quite a break we've been on, but I figured we'd start the show again because, you know, during these crazy times, I hope that I could bring you a little bit of entertainment, maybe a distraction from all the insanity in the world today, and hopefully just reignite your passion about wine. Today's show, I interview Hugh Davies from Schramsburg. Schramsburg is synonymous with California sparkling wine. For over 50 years, they've been bringing California's best, brightest fruit and turning it into gorgeous bubbles in the glass. I hope you enjoy the show. This episode of The Honest Pour is sponsored in part by Foodateur.com, bringing you the
0: stories of Chicago's chefs, restaurants, and people who make food all over town. Foodateur.com.
1: Hi, welcome to The Honest Poor. I'm John Lennart. Joining me today is Hugh Davies of Schramsberg and Jay Davies. Welcome to the show. Hey, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. You know, obviously you grew up in the vineyards, quite literally. When you were a kid growing up, did you have other interests? Did you ever consider doing anything other than wine? It's a good question.
0: Um, I did go to... Uh, College on the East Coast initially, and I went to a place called Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine, and then uh, I've I've always been interested in the outdoors and the environment, Um, and then I I considered uh, public policy actually, and from Bowdoin went to Washington DC and worked for a congressman for about six months. And then, and then you decided Washington was not the place for you. I did, actually, <laughs> yeah. About six months in, I said, no, I didn't want to go back to California. And then I've spent pretty much the rest of my life in California. I've been fortunate. I've been able to travel a, a bit. And I've worked, once I decided to do the winemaking um, professionally, and again, I had an opportunity, I did uh, work in France a couple of times and in Australia once. So those were those were rich experiences. Um and then i have now been back working at tramsburg for since 96
1: so okay yeah 23
0: years well,
1: so you you went into the wine world but not back home back home yeah so
0: for me i grew up in napa valley california my parents started uh, revived this old property tramsburg in 1965 and so i grew up there and then I, I guess in my late teens and, and into my 20s, traveled around the world a little bit, right, and studied abroad and, and, and did some interesting things. But then since age 30, I've been back at the winery. Okay. So, yeah, I've, I, never, I was never too far away, uh, but I wasn't totally, yeah, yeah. When you're your early 20s, you're not necessarily exactly sure what you want to do professionally. Sure. You know, so I did dabble with a couple other ideas and then came back.
1: Your parents bought this property. You kind of, you kind of vaguely referred to this property, but this property has a great history. Yeah. Uh, up on Diamond Mountain. Yeah. Tell me about the property.
0: So the Schramsberg property itself um, was established in 1862. So during the, the Civil War, there were some German immigrants who started planting Riesling and other varietals in, uh, in Napa Valley. Uh, not a lot initially, but it got started and Schramm was one of them or Jacob Schramm, Jakob Schramm, Schramsbeck, <laughs> yeah. or maybe better pronounced. And, um, the, the, this German family, uh, would continue on up until the time of prohibition. And then the winery, like others, was closed and then would remain closed. And, and then the property was sold and, um, I've had limited interaction with members of the Schramm family, but a little bit descendants of the original uh, folks. And then, but they don't live in our area. And anyhow, my parents moved there in 1965. And and there were a number of these old defunct winery properties that uh, had an interesting history that were were not operational. And they... um, they had a vision for doing bottle fermented sparkling wine. This was something that had not been done in the states with Chardonnay and Pinot Noir and this traditional method. And while my parents did not have the uh, the background or the experience uh, in terms of winemaking experience, they they were they became very passionate and enthusiastic about this idea and this vision, and they just they went for it.
1: If you start if you're starting a new winery and don't have a lot of experience in that world, particularly in production. Mm-hmm. You think he'd be called insane to start with traditional method sparkling wine. What, what, what was it with them, and what were those early days like?
0: Um, I think it was it was uh, you know an excellent adventure, right? I mean, I think for them it was um, it was a bit of a dream uh, come true, coming true. Oh, you know, I, I felt they they were, uh, eternally optimistic that that it would work. Um, definitely the, the sparkling path, uh, even today, I mean, there, the, there are other producers of really premium bottle fermented sparkling wine in California, United States, sure. but it's, it's a much smaller, a uh, slice of our, of our industry. And uh, you know, a lot more is used to make still wine than sparkling, for mm-hmm. example. Um, a lot more Pinot is made into still wine uh, as opposed to sparkling. But they were interested in, in pursuing this different path, this unique path uh, to make uh, you know, really, in their minds, you know, the first great sparkling wine uh and in, in, in California and they were convinced that it was going to happen um but there was an opportunity there is there is a niche that that was not yet occupied and they were they were really fired up to 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 do it um i'd say that for them they were definitely the type that would you know roll up their sleeves and 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 commit you know 24/7 365 for the, the rest of their lives you know uh that was and for those of us who continue with the winery my parents have both passed away uh it's um you know we appreciate that we we know how hard they worked right and and their generation to some degree because you think of napa valley uh sonoma valley or napa sonoma counties and the wine industry that we have today back in the the mid 60s when my parents started there were you know 20 wineries in Napa and probably a wow. similar number in Sonoma, and today you'll know, be 500 in each county. Something wow, like that. that's so crazy. It's, it's changed a lot, um, and then the, the obviously more is made, but that notion of quality—they were all about how do we make it. Just extraordinary. We want to make wines that will. So the idea, over.
1: high quality we from the beginning.
0: It wasn't just wine, and now let's make it. No, good. they they wanted, and they started small. I mean, we made 200 cases of a blanc de blanc that first year. Um, by uh, you know, say 1970, we were maybe making a thousand cases. By 1980, it was more like 15,000. So there's always a little growth associated with it, but um, 15,000 cases not that much. Right you know and and so they really um, they 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 were part of a, a, a their best friends were these other vintners absolutely you know the 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 Carpes and the Martinis and the Heitzes, and you know you may know some of those names um, those were the those were the people they socialized with you know as well and sure, <laughs> I sure yeah those the neighbors absolutely they and and there are the neighbors that were 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 all excited about making wine
1: when in those fine, fine wine, fine wine, yes. very yes. fine yeah, wine. There's yeah, there's a lot of jug we, wine. We're gonna made. make.
0: We're gonna make it. You know, the the best. You know, it, it's gonna rival the best made in the world. And and then we, uh, you know, a, a culinary, um, industry is kind of grown up around mm-hmm. that too. Sure. Which is was you know by design. You know, they wanted that. You know, I can remember hearing them talking about that. You know. Oh really? We've got it. We've got a. This is. We're going to create a. a It was less each one out for themselves to create uh, a a brand. It was more all of them together working to create uh, an an industry. And in the wine industry, it's interesting. You have champagne, you have Burgundy, you have Bordeaux. Um, In 1965, you didn't necessarily have Napa or Sonoma. Right now, yeah. but now, you do now right sure now, huh? yeah yeah you know if it's a wine from California and it happens to be from Napa somehow that's that's that maybe more exciting than, than if it wasn't for sure. And so that that was that was part of the plan was to build that.
1: In those early days once they in, the, in their first vintages, was the property itself producing fruit or were they sourcing fruit and replanting a, a vineyard at the same time?
0: Yeah, good question. Uh, they would do both. In the early days, um, the vineyard didn't exist when they bought the property. Oh, it didn't. It had like there had been right. vineyards, there had been vines, but the they hadn't been There's cultivated for a while. Yeah, so so they uh, in '65 that first year they would start to replant. But as you would know, it takes a few years to get any crop. So in the very first few years, the the fruit that we would work with to make the sparkling wine was acquired and then eventually once fruit started uh, coming off of the, the home properties vineyards, then the, then those wines would be made and then be blended with, with the wines that were being made from the vineyards that they didn't own. And so there was always a little bit of a, an assemblage, if you will, there a French term. And, um, and so that's continued all the way to this day. Um, today we're working with, we make more wine, um, and we work with a really an incredible array of sites. There are, uh, in the sparkling program, uh, probably 125 blocks that, that are scattered from the Anderson Valley to the north of us in Mendocino, down through the Sonoma Coast, into Marin County, and then into the Carneros. And on our home property, 50 years later, we came to realize, well...
1: We 25 from 20, probably
0: right? Twenty-five years later we came to realize that wow maybe this isn't the best place to grow the Chardonnay and Pinot <laughs> we're on Diamond Mountain so that we started uh, replanting with Cabernet and then uh, we've been working on our J. Davies Estate Diamond Mountain Cabernet from a planting standpoint since 94 so that's already 25 years ago and then 2001 wow. was our first commercial vintage of the Cabernet
1: mm-hmm. and
0: now we've got the 16 today so um, it's, yeah, so back to the, and we've we've been able to acquire a couple of other small vineyard properties um, where we do Chardonnay and Pinot Noir in the Carneros and also out in the the Sonoma Coast. And with any luck, you know, we'll be able to continue to, to, um, you know, grow the stable of sites that we'll work with that we might own. We also have lease lands, so that's another way that you can do it. So we have a site in Marin, another site in the Sonoma Coast and one up in the Anderson Valley that are leased. But uh, you know, continue to work with a range of others who own land, vineyard managers who farm those lands and have a great set of Chardonnay and Pinot vineyards that we're working with to make those sparklings.
1: A lot of times people think about or look at California sparkling wine and a lot of times turn their noses up at it. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't
0: they? Oh, they shouldn't because... I mean, I think the, the thing is there's so much there's so much French champagne made. Everybody, oh, French champagne, and then town like Chicago with champagne. You know, you can't make sparkling wine anywhere else in the world that rivals champagne. Bullshit. You know, maybe I shouldn't say That's that. That's
1: quite all right. <laughs> it's okay. But you, but you can,
0: right? It's, sure you can. It's not like there's something that... I mean, champagne, I wouldn't want to take anything away from champagne. It's It's... Fant- it's fantastic. It's a, it's a relatively large place where they make a, an extraordinary amount of, of delicious sparkling wine. So it's good, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and frankly, my parents, they didn't come up with this idea of Chardonnay and Pinot Noir and bought from it from a sparkling wine. There are people in Champagne doing that first, right? Sure. But um, they thought that it would be exciting to do that in a different part of the world. And there are other parts of the world where it can be done at an extraordinary level of quality. Of course, it can. Of course. Uh, so you see that in California. You see that in Australia. You see that in uh, in places in South America, in Africa, in in, in England, and other parts yeah. of, of uh, certainly in Italy. Um, so. So that, and I would imagine that that will continue to evolve. Um, but uh, from my standpoint, and I, I, know we 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 now have a, a really a great consumer fan base too. It's, it's mostly domestic. We we don't do a lot of export business, but we've developed a great fan base in an in a in this unique niche. You know, where there there are, there aren't a lot of us doing really premium bottle fermented sparkling wine in in California, um, but I think that that um, people uh, love the way that it tastes. You know, at the end of the day, uh, is it California sunshine? Doesn't yeah, it? It's 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 our our fruit is picked um, ever so slightly riper um, in these. Coastal sites that we work with, the acidity tends to be higher than it is in Champagne, which people don't know. You know, some of you aren't aren't told that in their training, and so you have really vibrant tart acidity, with slightly riper fruit intensity. And so, uh, in the end, it's a it's a great great place, you know, space, you know, to be growing Chardonnay and Pinot. And I think people are more familiar with that in the still wine context. Although, hey, there are definitely people that prefer to drink Burgundy to, you know, New World Pinot Noir. Or people sure. that would prefer to drink, you know, find uh, a white Burgundy or Chablis to New World uh, Chardonnay. But that doesn't mean that there aren't really delicious Chardonnays and Pinot made in the New World. And so uh, maybe a long answer to the question, but it's it's exciting to do. And, and I think for us... Um, it's exciting to be able to um, do something that not not necessarily everybody else is doing, and sometimes surprise people, you know, as, as with the quality that we're producing.
1: How many different sparkling wines do you produce? About fifteen wow, a year. Manier.
0: Yeah, uh, the Blanc de Blanc. This one here is the 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 one that we're best known for, and it's probably forty percent of our production. So it's a vintage dated Blanc de Blanc. Um, which is a little unique in our world. We are about 75% vintage-dated sparkling wine, whereas in, uh, in Champagne, it's more like 90% non-vintage, right. uh, something like that. And different producers will go in, in different directions on that. But we have, and not all California is vintage-dated, but for Schramsburg, that's what we've done. And so it's um, much like still wines typically are vintage-dated, and, and every year is a little different. And sure. so there's a nice nice mark to, to the bottle that, right? because of that vintage. Yeah, why not do it? So we uh we have now with the Blanc de Blanc we'll age a little bit less time and so this is with with uh, you know three, four years of age, this wine will be a little more competitively priced than say the J which is something that's typically more like nine or ten years old. When when Oh it spent that old. much time. Yeah. So the J this one is a two thousand nine and this was aged for uh, eight years in contact with the sediment in mm-hmm. the bottle in the cave. Now, granted, in those first years when we started, couldn't do that. Takes with it's an interesting uh, notion with these bottle fermented sparkling wines to have something that's ten years old. Well, it obviously takes yeah, ten years.
1: Sure. And so, in our very and it first, extended time on the lees, really does yeah, yeah. something to the wine. Yeah.
0: So we 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 fifty four years in now. We, we we do things like that. We have even on a more limited uh level some really, I mean I would do extraordinary um, 18 you know 20 20 year old bottles that I've spent that much time in contact with the East in the wow. pot. Yeah, it's pretty cool and it's it's uh, I get it you know not everybody's doing it. most most people in the industry don't even know that, that we're doing that, right right but but some do and then um, with that said, coming from champagne or other parts of the world where sparkling wines are made, uh, premium sparkling wines, you know, that notion of a 20 years on the yeast is fairly unique, but there are definitely some champagne in champagne and other other places where where they they're doing that. Mm. Interesting. Maybe people are familiar with, you know, the, the brandy that was aged for 10 years in a barrel or the bourbon or 20, right, you know, right, or, right, or the, or the port, you know, that is the 20 year twa- tawny, you know, mm-hmm. that maybe that example is oh, I'm familiar with that. So too there's that notion with a sparkling Aged in contact with the yeast inside of a bottle, inside the bottle, right? In a cave, and then uh, just a really slow, gradual aging process. So the the character of the wine can be so delicious, you know, with with, with that very gentle aging. Uh, again, in a cave, you're fifty five, fifty seven degrees, so it's not warm, right? But it's it's not freezing. No. And so it does, it does age just really slowly. And then the yeast inside the bottle um, impart a little character in the wine over the course of time. The CO2 gas that's inside the bottle because of the bottle fermentation will also protect that liquid from some of the impact of oxygen. So it's not aging quite as fast sure. as it would if there were no CO2 gas present, right?
1: If you were to describe the style of Schramsberg, just as a broad stroke, obviously there's different uh, characteristics between the wines, but if you had a a, a general style to describe your sparkling wines, what would that be?
0: We make such a range that there, sometimes I've... Find it's hard to say that Schramsberg sparkling wine tastes like this because the, each one of the styles has has its okay. telling character. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but in, at the end of the day, um, they are age uh, sparkling wines that that you know, whether it's three or four years of age that still has some age or or, or more. I think there is um, uh, with the style that we're producing there is vibrant acidity natural fruit acidity that gives great structure to, the, to, to, to all of the, the, the blends that we do, um, and then certainly with, with, with a, the, that notion of age, and typically some barrel fermented lots are layered into each one of the blends, there's a certain richness and a, and a creaminess that balances that really tart natural acidity. So I, I feel like we're, we're generally delivering something that has a, a, a certain depth of fruit uh, richness, creaminess as a result of, of, of the process and the aging, and then all supported by really tart natural acidity.
1: Given that level of acidity, I assume you're probably not playing around with any zero dosage type stuff.
0: We've done, we do make a, an extra brute, we've done a couple of extra brute uh, sparklings. Um, interesting question, though, this is technical. Uh, they're in champagne typically the the, the, the process in, includes uh hundred percent malolactic fermentation of the base wines. And this notion may be be going th- through one ear and not the other oh, with some of the listeners. But but that does definitely reduces the, the sure, acidity.
1: Sure.
0: Uh, uh and then and so that that's that but not all champagnes do that actually. So there are there are some French champagnes that will be much more similar to what we're doing and then there are other French Champagnes that, that will, will be different. So back to a house style, our style does not include 100% malolactic fermentation which, which Keeps allows you yep, yep, a little bit more and, and so um, that's, that's a stylistic uh, you know, directional decision that, that we've made and, we, and we, we tend to prefer that style but that's not to say that you can't do it a different way sure yeah
1: yeah could we taste light
0: yeah so i would start with um the blanc de blanc just this is the we have these three here this one is a uh, 16 uh, vintage and a new release on on the uh on this style uh as we indicated earlier we've made it since 2000 excuse me 1965 so here the the 2016 would be the 56, 50, 52nd uh, iteration of of this wine,
1: and of course, this wine has been around with some great historic moments, served yeah. in the White House. Yeah, there's uh, the
0: Schramsberg uh, sixty-nine Blanc de Blanc was served in Beijing, China, uh, which was uh, exciting. Well, is is an important moment yeah. in, in, in you know the U.S. Chinese history, but uh, Nixon and Zhou Lai would toast to peace at the end of a week-long series of meetings uh, with Kissinger and Mao and, and and others as they were in the midst of the, the Vietnamese War conflict. And obviously, we were on two different sides. Uh, so that was exciting. Our wines have been served by different presidents uh, at different moments. Every administration since, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it's not every day, right? But, no, I, yeah. But it has happened the last time was when uh, President Macron uh, visited the White House last year, actually. Nice. And so that was, uh, and there was a couple of years back, um, a Xi Jinping uh, Obama toast was transferred to that happened. So I don't know that sometimes you get lucky, but <laughs> we're, we're trying to continue to
1: fine you know, tune. And,
0: and, you know, it's, it's, it may, it may seem like the, you know, I think sometimes as we get older, people assume that thing that the quality of, of 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 product, whatever the product might be, might not be getting better. But no, it really, it really, <laughs> it is. really We're really getting better. I mean, not just Stramsburg. I mean, people making wines across the world. We're getting better at it. Mm-hmm. And 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 it, obviously a lot of people working at it. And with each year, you know, we fine tune our. And it and it starts in those vineyards. But anyhow, so here, uh, Blanc de Blanc, two thousand sixteen. Beautiful
1: color, super bright. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, this is it's. I think we we hit an interesting spot in the in the in the market with with our blanc de blanc. It is 100% Chardonnay. Um, it may not be from France, but but people love it anyway. And and it's it's crisp and tart. And and you, you we have we have uh, some good good partners through you know fine restaurants around the around the country.
1: Um, and this retailers, how long in the lease? About two years. Two years? Wow, yeah. there's a, quite a richness to it. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and a little barrel uh, that gives a little bit of extra uh, richness. The barrels are used in making the initial base wines. So typically about 25% of the, the, the Chardonnay base wine that we start out with is fermented in oak and then left in barrel for about six, eight months, something like that, and, and then in the spring following the fall harvest, we then... Put the blend together, craft the blend, and, and then and then and then bottle, and and then uh, a couple of years later, riddle and disgorge, and then here we are in the in the fall again. You know, we're we're now tasting and enjoying this wine. So this wine will be in the market into you know next spring.
1: Sure, and it's 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 a pretty readily available wine. This isn't a wine that you yeah. have to hunt too hard for. Pretty much any fine wine shop should be carrying this yeah. wine.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the, and if you were to run into a bottle of transfer, definitely the Blanc de Bois is the one you'd see the most often. Sure. With its little green uh necker, the rose uh and the Blanc noir are two other styles that we do similar price point typically, this is around forty dollars a bottle and a steal. <laughs> uh steel it's uh but those three sometimes all three will be in a store mm-hmm. you know? um and beyond that, we talked about the the range of styles that we we produce there's a demisec that's in the same range but that's a smaller category smaller name. sure
1: sure people aren't quite looking yep. for that too much
0: but that. Blanc de Blanc this is I mean this is a wine that that people have been uh you enjoy that that crisp tart you know Chardonnay mm. Brut um with the with the oysters the calamari the the, the 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 salmon you know I think at the beginning of the uh uh the meal you know this this wine will hit uh, pretty pretty well it's,
1: uh, it's got a the nose is pretty rich mm-hmm. But on the palate, that acidity comes right mm-hmm. through. It's, it's not as, I mean, there, there's there's some of that creaminess still stays mm-hmm. alive in it, but that beautiful acidity, like like you were saying for oysters or calamari or seafood, yep, yep. this is um, really delicious. Um,
0: I mean, you can enjoy it with you know chicken wings if if you if you want. You can have it with uh, tangy cheeses, you know, a, a little charcuterie, you know, cheese you know, that that's simple. Um, you picture doing that at home. I typically serve it a little more chilled than, than, than this. Um, and, um, and it can also age. You know, not that people oh, are yeah, going to buy this bottle, but this wine... 10 comes years, this wine's still drinking lovely. 10, well, like, 20. You know, it's, yeah. it's fun to... We have some members of our, um, our fan base, and, we, and we'll do library wine shipments for, for them. And, and uh, so that's been exciting. To, to, you know, the older you get, you can, you can, you've got more of inventory. And so it's, but they not everybody seems to, 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 uh, uh, agree or, or to, to, you know, has a sense in that, that sparkling wine is this age worthy. But then they're luckily for us, there are some people who are right. really into it. Uh, <laughs> the reality is that the category is is, and partly because of what they've done in champagne is is so non vintage oriented that you don't think about aging it because it doesn't have a vintage on it. So right. you you have no idea like where it's uh, yeah, from. how yeah. long have I had it? you know, is it
1: yeah, even some of the top champagnes made crude you know.
0: Krug. Now, more recently, you're seeing well, some of they're, them they're like a discord. That, that was
1: consumer demand more than yeah,
0: anything. I to, so that there would be more of an identity for for that. But uh, the you know in that, um, you know under forty, fifty, sixty dollars, uh, there the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the, most of it's just not vintage, and right. and you don't um, you you don't know. Uh, so, but all that said, you can buy you know this this delicious forty dollar bottle and age it for twenty years to or who knows, even longer, if that, if if, if you like that.
1: Unlike champagne, the Blanc Blancs it's a vintage every year.
0: We do it every year, yeah. And it's,
1: uh, we
0: can. I mean, there there'd be there there aren't. We haven't. I suppose if we had a year that was that awful,
1: you know, maybe we <laughs> it's wouldn't. It's tough in California, but to get but that, it though. would
0: be it would be pretty. That'd be pretty awful. Right. it'd be pretty, right. pretty bad. Uh, so yeah, we've been able to do it every year. And in my senses, they probably can in Champagne, too. It's just, it's less, they just have, that's not the way that they've done it, right? Right. And for the most part, they make non-vintage. So it's more of a, I think at this stage, it's more of a cultural thing. You know, it's a stylistic choice. I mean, the, and they'll blend the different vintages together a little bit more. And, and you know, that notion of making a consistent house style. But our Blanc de Blanc is pretty consistent from sure. one year to the next. But each year has its own signature, a little bit, which is exciting. And, and, was, it, and
1: yeah. the Blanc de Blancs really the heart and soul of Shamsburg, isn't it?
0: It just in terms of the 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 vibe, I don't know if I'd call it for me, honestly, as and we'll go to the next one. The okay, J. what Schramm. is the next one? So the next one is the 2009. This one, uh, J. Shram. So this is J. Shram. This is yeah.
1: Shram'sberg. What's, what's the difference between the labels?
0: Well, the J. Shram is the the top Shram'sberg, basically. And so there's a J. Shram, there's a J. Shram Rose, uh, there's another one we call the Shram'sberg Reserve. So I referred to the Blanc de Bois, the Blanc de Noir, and the Brut Rose that are. That look have a white label Um uh, and those are typically you know forty, you know maybe up towards fifty dollars a bottle, something like that. The um, the the J Shram then uh, this is over hundred dollars a bottle, and and then these are the special select Blanc, Noir, and Rose blends that we'll craft at the beginning of the blending season each year. So we will we'll make actually at this stage over three hundred base wines from the range of vineyards barrels, tanks, you know, a couple of odd malolactic lots, you know, just having a, a, a rich, deep array of, of, of wines. And then to make this upper tier, we might need 25 or 30 of those lots to play a role. That's okay. it. The rest wow. of them can all hang out and they'll, they'll be Do used in subsequent lanes, but for, to, to, to really make the, the best effort of the year, we'll go through the process of uh, making the full range, and then come back in the spring and then tasting it and we'll we'll, we'll identify what we, we perceive to be our best lots and then use those to make these these special blends I'll go into this one okay. here um, that are ultimately going to be uh, aged for longer and then of course with that we're going to charge a little bit more for them sure as well. and
1: you make uh, Blanc de Noir and Rosé with the J-Shram as well
0: yeah so there's the J-Shram that we're tasting here typically referred to as the J-Shram Brut is the top Chardonnay Brut. Sure. Um, there's a wine called the Schramsburg Reserve, which is the top Pinot Noir Brut or blanc Noir. Uh, and then there's a wine called the J. Schramm Rose, which is then our top Rose. And so those three um, are produced uh, each each year as well.
1: We haven't And all these extended the time on the lease? Yeah, we haven't
0: made them all every vintage. Uh, we started with the J. Schramm in 87. So it was in 65 that we made a Blanc de Blanc. 22 years later, we we would craft the first vintage of the the J. shram and so this is a uh, 2009, a wine that has been aged for eight years in contact with its yeast uh, in the bottle, um, disgorged at this stage uh, over a year ago, uh, but a nice, rich range of. Uh, fruit and
1: and you know kind of baked baked uh the colors a little it's a little more gold a little gold a little, little more yeah. gold but still youthful in appearance this does not look old by any means
0: yeah no sometimes people will think gosh 2009 for a sparkling wine that must be really old but understand that the 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 top tier from uh you know uh, uh, champagne or or cava or wherever they might be made. You know, not that everybody's buying hundred dollar bottles of sparkling wine, but they are ten years old. You know, they, they tend tend to be ten years or old or more. Um, currently, out of champagne, you'll see some two thousand eights. You'll see some two thousand nines. There might be some twelves uh, that that are out there in the marketplace as well. Um, but but typically, you know, at this this the, you know sometimes this this. This uh, tier is referred to as the tetouve, you know, the head of the blends, and and so the uh, that tetuve notion is is often eight ten years of age, you know, before before release. The,
1: the, the nose is much more complex, uh, more that kind of baked apple and brie, as opposed to fresh green apple and yeah. uh, sour cream or uh, crumb crum fresh.
0: If you want, I'll give you. You can have the sure, two side by side. Sure. The, uh, but definitely with, with age, you, you, you get the notion of brulee. You know, you get the Brule, notion of, yeah, of, of custard. You get the notion of brioche. You know, some of these gently uh, baked and evolved characters. I, I off, every, almost all of us have had that experience where you put a marshmallow into the fire. Right. But you don't want to necessarily, some just torch the thing and eat it flack. Um, here, no, we want to have that marshmallow be in the flame, never, never burning, but just, roasting, right? yeah, just becoming a little more brown and just caramelizing and just, just gently, gently, gently. And so, uh, it's, a, it is a, obviously a patient process, but you know, we can, we can terminate, you know, two years in, we can terminate four years in. Six years eight years eight and as I alluded to earlier in, in this interview you know with some of the j Shrams or even even the blah blah we're aging it for you know as many as 20 25 years even I, I would envision uh, it'll take a while to get there because we don't have the inventory Sure. But, hey, maybe one of my kids will be interviewed one day, and it's like, this is 50 years. I mean, why not? You can, it can happen, and it'll, it'll, it'll expose some really interesting nuance and character and flavor. Again, you need to start with, with vibrant, tart, clean fruit so that it can age really gl- gracefully.
1: It's interesting. Um, a lot of time we talk about vibrant and clean and great acidity. A lot of times, when you get into champagne, those words will mean a really super linear, mm-hmm. almost austere, mm-hmm. acidic wine. Mm-hmm. This is lovely. This is about balance and elegance. Yeah, you want There's you want to richness have, here. Yeah, wow. I mean, just this is delicious.
0: Thank you. No, you want to have that. That 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 you need to have that core structure in order for the 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 finished wine to be able to. Um, uh, Have have the richness of flavor and to have it all be in balance. What's what's you know there's that notion of the dosage that that and that notion of disgorgement, where you remove the sediment and then add the finishing touch, the dosage. You know that is that is uh it's really a key step. And and it uh while in terms of the percent of the the volume that's in the wine, it's only two percent, right? And roughly one percent sugar or or maybe you know just less than that. You know I think this is nine grams. As opposed to ten, but it's it is uh, that that little that little touch gives uh, uh, gives the wine uh, uh, just a, a bit more balance, and you're able to to make that decision years down the road, right?
1: right. Yeah. You know,
0: so you, it's one last visit. It's a little little different than in the making of still wines, where uh, you know it you might be able to do that touch before bottling. And, and sometimes maybe the Cabernet, for example, in our world, people might age for as many as four years or maybe there's five. You know, that's, that's getting pretty. That's a lot of, sure a lot of time before bottling. Um, and then and would be very unusual to do you know, but that's possible. Uh, but here, no, we, we, we opened that bottle up and took one last look, you know, nine, nine years into the process
1: we're gonna go we're gonna make a left turn here from the beautiful sparkling wines to one last wine what do you have
0: so the last one then is our j davies cabernet Uh, this is a wine that we've been producing as i mentioned earlier in the interview um, since 2001 uh, on our home property up on diamond mountain we started uh, to to replant with the redboard over idols in uh, the early 90s Uh, initially on an experimental uh, uh, basis, uh, exploring, you know, wh- what we might see with Cabernet or Merlot or, or uh, Cabernet Franc. We've 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 done as many, I think, as twelve different uh, red varietals. Not all Bordeaux varietals. We've had a little bit of Petit Sirah and Syrah and Zinfandel as well planted. Of course, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, um, in the sparkling context. But as we as we would. Move down the, 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 the track of, of, of potentially working on a Cabernet, we, uh, we, we've come to also really like the Malbec that is grown on the property. And so Malbec plays a role. Um, Petit Verdot also typically plays a role. And so in this particular wine, the 16, which we've just released, you've got um, you've got about 10% Malbec and 6% Petit Verdot also okay. in, in the blend, about 84% Cabernet. Um, the, uh, the wine would have been aged for two years in, uh, in oak barrels, uh, principally new, about 70% new barrels. Uh, Terenceau, Boots, Vicar are some of the, the key coopers. But there's, a again, that notion of a range. And every year we'll try, hey, might as well try a couple <laughs> couple new things just to, just to see. Not everything has to go in the blend. You know, not, not every barrel that we make necessarily has to be incorporated and we are now doing a couple of different uh, bottlings from our estate dime mountain property so there's a uh the j davies is the, the the principal wine um at a a uh, little bit of a higher price is the j davies jamie which we named after my mom and that has nice. her signature on it uh that's usually 200 300 cases a year or something like that this one is more like 1200 or 1500 cases okay. a year and then Maybe in about a 500 case range is a wine called the J. Davies JD, and so we have three different price points as you all as we as we as we go about um, uh, uh, crafting this. And in 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 some of the same context with our sparkling, although we just it's it's a little a little more confined. We have about 45 acres. We'll do about 35 different picks, and then make a range of elements, right, and then. We don't have to worry about the blend in the in the fall of that harvest. You know, right, at that right, point, right. we're just let let's make the components, uh, and then when we come back in the spring, we start working on that. And then um, with with these cabernets, it's two years later that you bottle. So the, this is a sixteen that we're tasting. We would have bottled this in two thousand eighteen. And so we, in those two years, we continued to tweak a little bit, you know, with different mm-hmm. sessions, the, the blend. And then, yeah, when we bottle it, then it's done. And well, then the, the cork color on anyway. this
1: is, you know, so often you think about Napa Cab and they could be a brute. Yeah. And this wine doesn't have that. It just visually, it, I don't expect this to club me over the head with Tannin and, you know, Cassis and
0: it, There's it There's some nice... Uh, density of of fruit um you know dark berry berry, expression um but there's a little bit of that notion of the the forest which is you know there yeah there's a forest that surrounds these vineyards right yeah uh the uh the 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 location is pretty unique i mean these are volcanic soils that are tucked up in the hills north of st Helena, south calistoga if you're familiar there's quite a bit of diversity of soil types up up in those hills the the if you're down on the valley floor there's been you know a layering of soil that that's been washed off of those hills for all these years uh, up in the mountains it, it it the the rock is a little bit more exposed and um you also have areas that are much more fertile and then you have other areas that that really are not at all you know imagine some really hard white volcanic ash and some of those soils are interesting to work with the vines don't grow a whole lot you can plant them on a little bit more of a vigorous rootstock, uh, but the yields tend to be fairly low from our site. So we're typically working with, you know, we'll say about two tons to, to, to the acre in terms okay. of uh, the crop. The uh, the malbec adds to that, that uh that brightness of a fruit. a freshness little bit? that it
1: brings. Yeah, it yeah, definitely, I definitely does. got that kind of uh the black cherry, yeah, that that Malbec brings, and
0: pretty when we when the, the the fermenters are going, and you know, there's that moment when they're you know the the fruit is just giving off its 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 uh, most vibrant character in those fermenters. The Malbec is always really impressive. It's like, man, that smells good, right? It's nice uh, with the
1: Cabernet. Sometimes, for me, sometimes Malbec could be when you get in like that cheaper kind of Malbec, mm-hmm. it could be too round, too too juicy too like almost grenadine like and this doesn't have that especially because of the cabernet the well it's, know, it's it's 10% ten, ten
0: of the blend right. so there's just, just a, little, a little there's a little kiss of that um is picked a little bit earlier the berries are typically a little larger but they can vary too you've you the tiny ones and you have the, the larger ones um, but this is a young cabernet mm-hmm. i mean we've literally october yeah, 1 put the cork is in <laughs> Is tomorrow, so we're tasting it a day before its official release, and um, another wine that will age beautifully for years to come. You know, I think in its youth, these these uh, uh, these cabernets, you know, obviously go very well with juicy steaks uh, and and uh, you know, spiced uh, rubbed you know ribs and things like. that, But as, as they as they age, they 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 develop. Uh, so well. I would love to, you know, that, that's, and then you can, you can bring these back and really enjoy them with, um, I think, even a broader range of foods when, when, when they're older.
1: I think, I think one of the things I'm finding in the fine wine world is makers are finding this way to make a wine that's going to lay down an age for yeah. 10, 20, 30 years or yeah. more, but you can still drink it today, whereas yeah. 15, 20 years ago, yeah man you gotta lay that wine down or yeah. that's it you're not drinking it it's just yeah. not worth it where well, this wine you could open up drink it and enjoy it today yeah. or lay it down for 20-30 years and you're gonna have a real special treat for you That it, it'll be it'll be
0: a different you know wine obviously with with all of that time um, and I get it not everybody is is interested <laughs> in buying something that they're gonna age for 20 years and then right. that's and then not what taste it, what it does. but uh, but uh, there's, there's some of that does happen and uh, and that's that's I, yeah, I'm very enthusiastic about the, about wine and the industry. Back to your initial, how, like, how might you have, uh, did you think about doing something else? And um, I, I did, but I'm, I'm really glad that in my, you know, it's probably about 23, 24, and I said, well, I think I'll give, I'm already here, right? I've got this chance. Maybe, maybe I should just give this a, a, a full shot. And and honestly, I'm really glad that I did.
1: Well, I'm glad you did too.
0: That's yeah, been good.
1: <laughs> Hugh, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely delicious wines. I look forward to coming out to Napa Valley and visiting you at some time and seeing what you got going on up there.
0: Excellent. We'll see you soon. Thanks much. For John's tasting notes on the wines from this episode, go to www.thehonestpoorpod.com. Make sure you catch every episode by subscribing to The Honest Poor with John Lennart at iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Play Store. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook at The Honest Poor with John Lennart and follow us on Twitter at The Honest Poor. This has been The Honest Poor with John Lennart, music by Kevin MacLeod.